we've been doing a series the last probably several months on the life and teaching of Jesus, the last several months. But the last few weeks, well, actually, it's probably been about seven, eight weeks now that we've been on the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I want to do something a little different tonight. I- I've invited uh, Linnell to, uh, to do the teaching this evening. You know, we've been here almost 20 years, and, you know, you just grow accustomed to people, but sometimes you just don't realize that what you've got. And uh, not only do I have a great wife, but she is a mighty woman of God. Linnell is a third generation or fourth generation. Third, fourth. Third generation. Third generation preacher. Bethany's going to be the fourth generation. But uh, that she's following the footsteps of a grandfather, a dad that, uh, that served the Lord. Linnell literally goes all over the world preaching the gospel, has invitations. She's going to Indonesia in a few months to preach. She was supposed to go to Turkey. That got canceled. She was Last weekend, she was in Pennsylvania ministering at women's conferences in a church on Thursday. Uh, month or so before that, she was in California, so she's a little globetrotter, and I let her go because she loves to do it, but uh, I think she'll uh, bless you tonight. Actually, when I was uh, was in Mississippi a few weeks ago, I had so many good comments, I thought, well, gee, it's turkey season. Maybe I'll just turn it over to her for a couple months and go turkey hunting. So anyway, I'm not turkey hunting tonight, but she's here, so God bless her. Hey. Well, um, I did have a fun time in Pittsburgh. I don't know how many of you went to our, our women's conference, the last one we had. We hadn't had one in a couple of years. But my friends that were there and that were guest speakers, uh, they invited me to come back to their women's conference, and God showed up in a powerful way. And we got to minister. I got to minister Sunday morning. Karen uh, Rayfield went with me, and we got to minister at a church there, and we prophesied, and I mean, Karen was fired up and filled with the Holy Ghost, and I think everyone that stayed got a prophecy that day, and it was really a lot of fun. Anyways, why don't you open your Bibles with me, and we're going to turn to Matthew 6, and this is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount, and this is probably one of my favorite scriptures of all time, and I like to preach on it, so when my husband asked me, If I would preach today or speak or teach or whatever you want to call it, I said, what what was it on? What was the scripture and where were we at? And I thought, yeah, I can do that. That'll be fun. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 24, or starting with verse 25. And I'm going to read it through and then we're going to talk about it. Verse 25, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't the life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to them than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
Go ahead, guys. Okay, I need some snaps. Okay, come on. Y'all ready? Yeah. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. One more time. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That is really the message of this passage that Jesus was talking about on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you don't need to worry. Your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. The problem is, we live in a time and age where we could worry about a lot of things. Our economy, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to our dollar? Oh my goodness, what's going to happen to our health care? Oh no, what's going to happen to the stock market, to gas prices? Right? Don't we have a lot we could worry about? We could worry about who's going to take care of us. What happened to our retirement? Are we going to be able to build it back up before we actually retire? And there are so many things that when we look around us that we could worry. Yet Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. Your heavenly father knows what you have need of. And anyways, Jesus says, what good is all your worrying going to do? What are you going to accomplish by worrying? What is going to happen? Are you going to add a day to your life? Are you going to be able to add a moment to your life by worrying? And he said, no. So, don't worry. Be happy. And my singers are, 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 you know, no, you don't have to keep singing. I was just teasing. So, really what Jesus said, what can you really do about it? Let me tell you, when you worry what you do, you lose sleep, right or wrong. You toss and you turn and you can't sleep at night. You get an ulcer. Anyone here want to admit that they've got an ulcer because they were worrying too much? Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I won't tell on you, Mike. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> what about high blood pressure from worry? What about... A heart attack, an anxiety attack, that's all you'll get by worrying. Okay, well now we're going to take this a little bit at a time. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about what this passage means. Because really, it's a false illusion that you can take care of yourself. Did you know that? You are living under a false illusion that you are in control of anything. Did you know you're not even in control of your own kids? How many know that? Yeah. And husbands, I just want to tell you, you're really not in control of your wives. And uh, wives, <laughs> as much as you'd like to control your husbands, you have no control over them. We have no control over the economy. We have no control over our job. Did you know you can plant a seed in the ground, but you can't make it grow? You can do all the things... You can water it, you can put it in good soil, but guess who is the only one that can make that seed grow? Guess who is the only one that can provide for you? Guess who is the only one that can heal your body? So it's an illusion that we have any kind of control. And therefore, 
We need to not worry and be happy. You don't have to keep singing that. I'm just giving you a hard time. Don't worry. Be happy. Okay, let's look back at verse 25. Again, I'm going to read it again. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Do you know there are two real reasons why we worry? The first reason we worry is because we're not convinced that God cares about us. Who am I? Why would God care about taking care of me? I'm not worthy of God taking care of me. I, I, I just don't understand. I'm a nobody. And so why would God provide for me? The second reason that we worry is because we don't think God can take care of us. Let's look at this scripture and see what God says about this. In Matthew 10, verse 29, Jesus said, Two sparrows cost only a penny, but not even one of them can die without your father's knowing it. Verse 30 says, God even knows how many hairs are on your head. So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. God says you're worth much more than many sparrows. He said, I take care of the birds in the air. I feed them and they don't do anything to deserve it. They don't plant any seed. They don't harvest any seed. They just go out and every day they just find food because I care. And God says, you're worth more than those birds and those in the air. He says, I know every hair you have. And some of you are losing your hair. Some of you are putting extensions in your hair. But God says, I know every hair on your head. And he says, that's how much I value you. Listen to this scripture. I preached on this this weekend. First Peter 5, 7. No, let's, I wanted to look at 1 John 3, 1 first. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. God lavishes his love on you. God promises to provide for you. God promises to take care of you. God says, don't worry about it, because your worrying is not going to accomplish anything anyways. It's just going to make you lose sleep. Don't worry about it because he loves you. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and all your cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. So if you are worrying because you think that you're not worth God's attention, because you think that he won't take care of you, let me assure you today, he loves you. He loves you, and He promises He will take care of you. So get that checked off your list. God loves you, and God cares about you, and God promises to provide for you. The second reason we worry is because we think God can't provide for us. I mean, we may not admit that, but if you are worrying, then you are are a person of little faith, Jesus said. If you are worrying, then you're saying, God, uh, 
in this economy, you can't take care of me. Did you know that God took care of the children of Israel in the wilderness with manna from heaven? God took care of Elijah during a drought by a brook, and he had ravens, dirty old birds, come bring him some food supernaturally. God, time and time again, when Peter needed some money, Jesus sent Peter down to pay his taxes. He, he said, catch that fish, and he caught that fish, and inside that fish was the gold coin he needed to pay his taxes. When they had fished all night, and there was no fish, Jesus said, let your nets down on the other side. And because they obeyed, they took in this great harvest of fish. They caught too many fishes that their nets We're going to break. God is a supernatural provider. But let me tell you something. In America, we are so used to providing for ourselves. Or at least we think we're providing for ourselves. We are so used to natural provision that we forget that God is a supernatural provider. Let me explain that. The children of Israel in the wilderness. God rained down manna from heaven. But it says that once they crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land where there were crops to harvest, where there was grapes on the vine, where milk and honey were flowing, it says the manna stopped. The supernatural provision stopped because there was natural provision. Let me tell you, when the natural provision runs dry, that's when you can expect supernatural provision. When the natural healing process stops, that's when you can expect a miracle. I mean, as long as you can go to your doctor and your doctor says, here, I can do this and I can do that. Then we don't have to rely on God. But when the doctor says there's nothing we can do. Or you don't have the money to do it. I had someone today telling me that her foot has been broken. And I guess it's been broken multiple times. And they've had her in a cast for like eight weeks. But there's been no healing process. And they're telling her they're going to have to go in and do surgery and put a pin, another pin back in and, and do this and do that. And she is going, I don't want them cutting on me again. She says, I'm in line for a miracle. I'm believing God to do a miracle. God is our healer. God is our provider. God is our source. And we have to know that he is well able. Let me tell you who our God is. Our God is the Almighty. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is everywhere at the same time. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth. Do you think that with one word, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. With one word, he created everything in creation. And he just spoke the word and it came into being. Why do you think that God won't take care of you? Why do you think that God can't take care of your situation? God is not only creator, he's the one who healed the blind man. He's the one who caused the lame man to walk. He's the one who owns cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who walked on water. That's the God we serve. Well, that's the God we serve. And if you see that, it's kind of like someone was telling me about a picture that they painted. And they, they showed two pictures. And they showed this one picture of, of a thistle and a weed and it was broken. And it was in the foreground with a mighty oak in the background. 
And it showed the, 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 the brokenness of this weed. And then it said, then it just changed the perspective. And in the background it saw, came to the foreground was the mighty oak. And the, and the weed and the thistle and the brokenness had disappeared. Did you know you can choose what you're going to look at? You can look at the, your brokenness, at your broken situation, maybe your broken marriage, your broken finances, your broken health. And you can stare at that so hard you don't see the mighty tree in the background. You don't see that there's a God who's able. Or you can focus your attention on your God who is well able to heal you, who is well able to provide for you. And if you keep your focus on that, your little broken thistle weed is not a big deal because he is able. That's the God we serve. And I want to tell you, our God is not dead. He's not a fairy tale. He's not a figment of our imagination. Our God is alive. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend. We're celebrating a God who is alive and who is able. He is not dead. Listen to this. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Boy, if we just live by that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Let me tell you, when you're in the middle of a difficult situation, whatever it is, maybe it's about your marriage, it could be about your children, it could be about your finances, about your health. When you're in the middle of a difficult situation, just start remembering what God's already done. He's done the greatest miracle by saving your life, by giving you eternity, by giving you hope. Think about... If you can't think about anything good in your own life, then just start thinking about what he did in the Bible. About the miracles he performed and about the people he healed and about his mighty power. And just start thanking him. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you time and time again. And when you do that, your faith just starts to grow. You know, one thing that I love to do is to pray God's word. Because I realize that no matter how bad the situation is, if I pray scriptures about that situation, whether it's health, whether it's peace of mind, whether it's my marriage, whether it's about my children, whether it's about our finances and provision, when I start praying the scripture out loud, my faith starts growing. You know why? Because faith comes by and hearing by. And when you pray the word out loud... Your faith is built up. Let's go on. Let's look back. And we're going to go back to Matthew 6 at verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Can I say something? They dominate our thoughts. Right? I mean, every day we worry about those things. Every day we think, God, how am I going to make the house payment? How am I going to make that car payment? Oh, God, what am I going to do about my child's college? It's a worry. It's worrying. It consumes us. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And why worry about your clothing? And listen to this. He just talked about the birds of the air And now he's going to talk about the lilies of the field. Look how they grow. You know, that's one thing I just, a little side note. 
moving to East Texas from California. Now, California in the summertime is dry, brown, barren, at least the parts around where I lived. But here in the springtime, and as it goes into the summer, you see wildflowers. I, I remember living in Palestine, Texas, and driving the roads of East Texas. And I remember one day trying to count how many different colors of wildflowers I was seeing as we were driving down the road. And I lost count because I kept thinking, now, had I seen that one already and that one? And they were gorgeous. Now, this is what God is talking about, is all of these wildflowers. He says... They don't work and they don't make their clothing. The fields don't, don't do that. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, the richest, wisest man that ever walked this earth, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so much for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Let me tell you the difference between believing that God can... And trusting that God will. You want to know the difference? Can I tell you a story? My husband and I, for our, I guess our 15th year here, the church sent us to Alaska. Wonderful, wonderful trip. Memories galore. And um, we went to Alaska and my husband said, Linnell, I want you to go zip lining with me. And I went zip lining huh and i'm thinking of all these i wanted to go i know it's cold in alaska but i wanted to go snorkeling in alaska i wanted to go whale watching in alaska i wanted to do a lot of things zip lining was not on my list of things i wanted to do but because i love my husband i said okay okay we'll go zip lining it was in a rainforest beautiful rainforest overlooking the bay the the um salmon were spawning and you could see them you know, flopping out of the water. And I mean, it was just, it was gorgeous. But when we get on the bus and the tour guide, before we take off, the tour guide says, does anyone here on this bus have an extreme fear of heights? And I thought, what does she mean by extreme? So I said, "Uh, excuse me, uh, what do you mean by extreme? And she goes on to explain, well, having panic attacks. And I thought, well, I've never had a panic attack. I guess I don't have an extreme fear of heights. So we head up to this rainforest. And what I didn't know when I started, that once you got up to the top of the tree, there was no going down. The only way down was to zip line across. So we get up to the top of the tree. And, you know, I'm a California girl. And, you know, Californians are tree huggers. And I went and took my station with both arms around the tree trunk. The sad thing was, was there was a senior citizen there with a 30-something-year-old handicapped son. And they were excited about this, this zip lining, and I'm hugging the tree. So the tour guide goes, who's going to be first? Who volunteers but my husband? And he says, I don't want to go first. And I'm hugging the tree. He says, here, Lindell, take the video camera and videotape me. And I said, I'm not letting go of the tree. (laughs) So the tour guide took the video camera. Off he goes. Let me explain to you our equipment. Our equipment was just this little harness. That just, you know, you kind of put it on like pants. But it was just 
this little harmonist with this little rope and a hook that hooked on to the zip line. And there really wasn't much anything to hold on to. Nothing to secure yourself. You, you know? So anyway, so he zips across. Well, I don't know how many people were on our team, but one after another, handicapped young man, and then the, the senior citizen, and, you know, they're all zipping across. And finally they said, um, it's your time. And I'm going, oh, okay. And I'm going, oh, God, you got to help me. And they said, you got to let go of the tree. And you got to step up on this platform. And so I, I step up on the platform and they hook me up to this line. And they said, now you got to step off. And so I'm not trying to hyperventilate, but I'm breathing really strongly. So I said, okay, one, two. And then I said, wait, wait, wait. Do I go on three or do I count to three and then go? So, so anyway, so I start over. And, and by the third or fourth time, everybody's counting with me. One, two. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this. Can I trust that rope to hold me? Can I trust that harness that it's going to stay on me and it's going to take me to the other side? I, I finally stepped off. And you know what? It was pretty cool on the ride. I remember, you know, my eyes were closed when I stepped off. But I remember opening my eyes. Oh, did I tell you how high up in the air we were? 140 feet in the air. Now, if you can imagine a 14-story building, we were jumping off that. And you start going about 30, 35 miles an hour. You're, going, you're zipping. I mean, we were zipping. And I start looking, and I'm seeing eagles, and I'm seeing the, the, the fish out in the ocean, the, the um, salmon, and they're, they're jumping. And I see all this, and I'm going... Wow, this is beautiful. Wow, this is beautiful. And I'm zipping across. And when I get to the other side, they grab me and they bring me onto the platform and I grab the tree. <laughs> and I thought I did it. But they told me, you only have seven more to go. <laughs> and I'd like to tell you that it got easier each time. <laughs> and I'd like to tell you I might would do it again. But I made it. I made it. And there was a trust that I had to put in that zip line. A trust that I had to put in that harness that it was going to hold me. And that is the difference between... Did I believe the harness would hold me? Yeah, I believed it. Did I believe that rope would hold me? Yeah, I believed it. But did I trust it? And can I tell you, you have to make a decision. Can you trust God? In your circumstances. Can you trust that he can provide for you? And not only that he can, but that he will provide for you. And that's what this passage that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, can you trust me? Can you trust God, your heavenly father, to take care of you? The difference between knowing and belie believing that God can and that trusting that he will. It's saying, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. I don't understand what's going around on around me, but I trust you. My dad always tells this little joke about a Mr. Worrywart, hypochondriac. And he's always worrying about something, about being sick, about disease, about financial disaster, about tragedy. 
He's superstitious. And every time he goes into work, he's got this frown on his face. And everybody's going, what's wrong? What's wrong, Mr. Warbord? And he says, oh, you just don't understand how bad it is. You don't understand. I found a new ache in my body. You don't understand the economy. Well, one day, Mr. Warbord goes to work. And he's smiling. He's whistling, don't worry. Be happy. And he's going off to work. And he's, I mean, he gets to work and he's smiling. They're going, what happened to you? Why are you so happy? And he said, because I just hired somebody to do my worrying for me. And they said, whoa, how much did that cost you? He shrugged his shoulder and he said, $200,000. They go, how are you going to pay for it? He says, that's not my worry, that's theirs. But let me tell you, Jesus said, well, Philippians, Paul said, let me see if I can find that scripture. To cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. All of your worries. I don't have that scripture right here. All of the things that concern you, because your, your God cares about you. He cares about what happens to you. I, I could almost sing it. My daughter's JBQ cast... Um, Anyways, but cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Let him do the worrying for you. Let him be concerned about those things that you're worried about. The last thing I wanted to say, at the end of this verse, verse 33, everybody could quote this. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you Everything you need. What Do you know what it means to seek the kingdom of God? It's kind of nebulous, isn't it? Can I tell you what it means? It just means obey God. Do what he tells you to do. Bear fruit for his kingdom. Please him. Love him with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just do it. And if you will seek his kingdom first, rather than spending all your time and all your energy Worrying about everyday life, about how you're going to take care of everyday life, how you're going to feed your family, how you're going to clothe them. If you just will love God with all your heart, if you will just be a light in the darkness, if you will just carry the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace. That's what they say the kingdom of God is, not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you will do that, and then the second thing he says, to seek first the kingdom of God, but also his righteousness. You know what? There are promises, and I'm going to read you a few throughout Scripture, about how God takes care of the righteous. How God is going to provide for them, protect them, take care of them. If you will do that, God says, I'm going to take care of everything you have need of. So don't worry. About tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So don't worry. Trust God. Seek his kingdom. Don't waste your time borrowing trouble about tomorrow. Don't worry about what might happen. I might get a bad doctor's report and then what am I going to do? Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, they're laying off at my job and what if I get laid off? Don't worry. God has another plan for you because he says, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and all these things you have need of 
I will take care of. Let me read you some promises he's made to the righteous. Proverbs 15.29 says he hears the prayer of the righteous. Proverbs 11.6 says the righteous man is rescued from trouble. Proverbs 10.3 says the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. Proverbs 13.21 says prosperity is the reward of the righteous. Psalms 34 verse 9 says those who fear him lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalms 34.17 says the righteous cry out and he delivers them from all their troubles. Psalms 37.25 says I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And I just want to close with this last scripture. Isaiah 32, verse 17 and 18. says, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. How many need some peace in their life? The effect of righteousness is quietness and confidence. Confidence free of worry. Confidence that we serve a good God. Confidence that our God is well able. Confidence that our God loves us. Verse 18, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, and in quiet resting places. The New English Version says, God's people will be free from worries. I want to pray for you tonight. Why don't you close your eyes? I know there's a lot of things we could be worried about right now. I know that I don't know what all is going on in your family. I don't know what all's going on in your health. I don't know what all is going on in your job situation, in your finances. But this is the one thing I know. We serve a God who loves us. And we serve a God who is a good provider. And he promises to take care of us. Now the people in Haiti have had a devastating circumstance that we can't even imagine. We can't even imagine having our homes destroyed. Our food sources dried up. No way of earning any kind of income or money. No way of buying any food because it wasn't there. But God somehow took care of his people. Somehow brought in food and fed the hungry. Somehow created a place where they could have A covering, it may have only been a tent, it may have only been a blanket. But God says, I know what you have need of and I'm going to take care of you. We've never experienced that kind of hardship. We've never gone without like they do in other countries of the world. But even in their lack, and in my travels where I've gone, the poorest people I know are the happiest. The poorest people I know are the most joyful because they know who they serve and they know that God takes care of them. And I just want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for each and every person that's here tonight. God, you know the worries that could consume them. You know the fear that they're facing. You know, God, what it is that they're up against. But God, I want to say thank you that you told us not to worry. That you told us to trust in you. That you told us that you would take care of us like you take care of the birds of the air. God, I want to say thank you. 
that when we can't figure it out and when we can't fix it, that God, we have a God in heaven that can take care of us. And I just pray, Lord, that like Paul, we could say, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be happy. Whether I'm prospering and have, a, have more than enough or whether I'm hungry and don't have enough. That, Lord, you would help each of us to learn to be that kind, have that kind of contentment, that kind of peace, that kind of joy, knowing that we don't have to always abound to be happy because your kingdom is not about meat and drink, but righteousness, living right, doing right, being in right standing with our Heavenly Father. It's about peace, and it's about joy. And I thank you, God, we can always have that in our life, no matter the storms raging around us. In Haiti, they were singing songs in the middle of the night, songs of worship, when their whole world had crumbled around them, when everything they had had been lost, when family and loved ones had been crushed. They were singing worship to their Heavenly Father because they knew that, God, you were going to take care of them. And they knew who they could turn to for strength. And they had the secret of joy. Trusting in a mighty God. I pray, Lord, each one of us would be able to know that secret and be able to trust in you. We love you, Lord. Amen.